All right, glad you're with us. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza? Just watch the president. Um, you know, he's going out there with his health care plan, continuing working. You know, one thing I was telling Linda today uh, after she yelled at me, we'll explain it later in the show. I tried to change my plans. Um, oh, hang on. My daughter's writing me. Noon. There you go. Uh, anyway, so... Uh, <laughs> I'll explain the mean part, but, you know, I just watched Donald Trump, and I understand everybody has their positions. I I get it all. And I'm looking at this guy, and I'm just thinking about this is something that, you know, we now, he, what, has 11, 12 million more people, whatever the final number is, voting for him this election than he had in the last election. And I just thinking back and, and, you know, the four-year world when he's taken this country on, and all that this guy's accomplished. And it's like, you're just not going to meet or see a politician like this, probably likely ever in our lifetime. I mean, this guy is, you know, 74 years old and a force of nature. You know, I said about Bernie Sanders, for example, as I was talking about that, which was forbidden to talk about during the election about the weak, frail, cognitively struggling Hayden Biden in the basement bunker. He didn't need to leave his bunker. He had the mob, the media, big tech doing all the, the pounding on Trump for him. And so all he needed to do was just mess up as little as possible, which meant stay in the basement as long as possible. That That's that's a great campaign strategy. You know, um, if he gets to the presidency, really? Hayden Biden? Good luck, media mob covering that. <laughs> If that happens, that scenario, President Trump in exile, you think he's going to be quiet? I, I tend to doubt it, um, which means uh, it could get very, very interesting here. If that were to unfold, we'll see what happens. But I just watch it. I'm like, what what is it that makes this guy different? And this army that that has gone out there in record numbers 11, 12 million more. That's never happened in an election. I think Obama got 5 million less in 2012 than he had gotten in 2008. And that is not, by the way, unusual. Um, What is it about him? And it's like you are looking at a very, very unique. You know, a lot of people don't want to be an individual in life. You think about this. A lot of people are afraid. A lot of people are timid social mores, social norms. Like a lot of people wouldn't want to do what I do for a living because there's, there's too much incoming. You take too much in terms of attacks. People can't stand being attacked. One of the things I find amazing about people in, in this profession that I work in, in, in radio and TV, is the level of hypersensitivity. I mean, it's like oh, they can't take a little bit of criticism, not even a little bit. And it's like Alka-Seltzer in water. You say something about them and they bubble and fizz and they give off energy. It's like this effervescent meltdown. They just can't handle it. And whatever, whatever, whatever chip that is they have, mine's long disappeared. I just don't care. I don't want to live out my life caring what people that I don't like anyway care about me or think about me. I just, I'm not going to live my life that way. And one of the things that, that we do on this program and on Hannity, the TV show, and that we're not going to stop doing ever is that we just forge our own path and we go our own way. 
And I think the most unbelievable part of this to me is that there is such a level of disconnect. Now, is it real or do they know? I think they know. I mean, the the media mob were the biggest. I mean, it was the campaign protection program for Biden. Who gets to hide in his basement half a campaign? How does he how if you can question John McCain's age and Reagan's age, uh, we're not allowed to look at these brain farts of of Joe Biden every day and say, what the hell is going on here? And when he does that little fake run of his and and all of the orchestrated taking off the uh, aviator glasses and the birds chirping in the background and uh, do I talk now? And getting lost, and we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are... The scale, exactly. the scale of the loss is, is staggering. I don't know whose phone that is, but the scale of the loss is staggering. 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 It's been there, two there, months since Congress... I don't know if I mind. can't take it. So, And then in other times, he's just like, uh, okay, I'm just so tired. You know, and then lashing out these fits of rage that seem to just come out of nowhere... Come on, man, you're a junkie, man. Come on, man. I'm like, it's unbelievable. And that's that's the that's the mob. Do they realize how corrupt they are? How do they not know? How do they get away with three years of the biggest hoax, conspiracy theories, lies? And it's like one, you know, woke, hypnotic, trance voice of unity where they actually, I think, convinced themselves, even though four investigations proved otherwise, that Trump and Russia colluded. But to get to that level, they had to ignore Hillary's bought and paid for dirty Russian disinformation dossier. To get to that point, they had to ignore, yeah, the subpoenaed emails were deleted and bleach bit, and, but we care about obstruction if Mueller mentions it. How do they how do they reconcile that they actually did use the dossier to obtain FISA warrants? Uh, now, everybody, even Comey, said he wouldn't have signed them. But based on what we know now, based on her dirty Russian dossier, they don't care about Russian interference. All they cared about for three years was bludgeoning Donald Trump. And in spite of all of it, look at all that he accomplishes, you know, with tax cuts and getting the money for the wall and new trade deals and energy independence and, and, and chopping down the bureaucracy and lower taxes and three Supreme Court justices. And right from the list that he had promised, that's rare politicians, you know, actually keeping their word. Uh, better trade deals. You know, I know everyone might have a different view on this. I think the fact that Donald Trump is so tough, I think I think it kept kept the world in line. I don't think that China and President Xi and Putin, you know, hostile actors and on, from hostile regimes or the mullahs in Iran are particularly intimidated by Joe Biden. The only question they might have is uh, who's really making the decisions behind the scenes. But that's about it. I don't think they really wanted to mess with Trump. I just don't think so. And... Um, I, it's just very interesting how they can be... I don't I guess maybe disconnected from truth and reality to not know that for three years they peddled a lie, lie after lie after lie, day in and day out. And that if anybody now says, you know, we got these irregularities and all these fellow citizens 
I mean, they just ought to, frankly, just come out and said everyone who signed an affidavit has committed perjury and is a liar. Because they don't even want to hear from them. They don't want to hear a word. They don't want to investigate anything. They don't care. It's like, you know, they didn't care about the Dominion machines. Um, by the way, this is pretty interesting today in this breaking that after agreeing to testify today before the Pennsylvania State Legislature, Dominion Voting Systems, all of a sudden they clammed up. This this just breaking out of Pennsylvania that the state government committee was scheduled to hold the hearing today. Uh, but uh, la- last night, Thursday night, Dominion lawyered up, backed out of the hearing and State Representative Seth Grove, interim chair for the state government committee uh, and chair of the government oversight committee, said that Dominion voting was used in 14 Pennsylvania counties. Those counties contain 1.3 million voters, 19 percent of the state. And he said that they were going to have a hearing with Dominion that he was looking forward to, you know, hearing from them after the product information Last evening, they lawyered up, backed out of their commitment to the people of Pennsylvania to provide input in a public format. Now, look, maybe it's not impressive to you, but I, this is in this divided environment in which we live in. Think about this, you know, and by the way, right after Russia, they just went right to the impeachment hoax, but they had to ignore quid pro quo Joe and Hunter. We got more information about Hunter. Let me tell you something. Hunter's in trouble. I don't know how, but if we ever have any law order, and if we don't have a dual system of justice, there would be trouble. Let's put it that way. I'm losing some faith in in our institutions. Uh, But, you know, if you just look at all of these things, and I'm just saying, like, wow, you can't even ask the questions when the New York Times, a tenured Princeton professor, NPR, which we played on this program, uh, the AP... Uh, the state of Texas attorney general and and secretary of state twice in 2019, Elizabeth Warren, Amy Klobuchar, Ron Wyden, you know, all critical of one thing. You never get the press, those socialist Democrats and conservatives in Texas to ever agree on anything. Well, they did agree on it in this case. You know, how is it you have this Grassley-Johnson report, zero experience, Hunter, raking in millions all over the world, the quid pro quo, you don't get a billion unless you fire the prosecutor that's paying my zero experience son millions, or a $3.5 million wire transfer from the first lady of Moscow, a Russian oligarch, Russian oligarch, wow, Russian interference, millions from Burisma, and of course now we're dealing with... Ukrainian oligarchs. Uh, then you've got the, what is it? $1.5 billion deal, Bank of China. Now a $5 million deal, state-backed Chinese company. $100,000 shopping spree courtesy of a prominent Chinese national. A Kazakh oligarch and, you know, money earmarks for new cars. The mob and the media, this is how corrupt they are. And this is who they are because none of that matters to them. Now the question is, do they know what they're doing or do they just not see their breathtaking hypocrisy? Uh, Because that's if anything is any questions are being raised here. We just learned it from them because that's what they sold us for three, really four long years. Never accepting Donald Trump as the president. They peddled lies smears, slander, conspiracy theories, and hoaxes. And they they got it all wrong. 
and they never admitted that they're wrong. You know, for me, it's like I'm watching these people say, this is outrageous. I can't believe it. I'm like, are you that lacking in self-awareness? Is your, did you compartmentalize your brain that you don't even know exactly what it is you stand for and what you've done? Do you not care? So now you've got these major institutions, which have been my point both before the election and after the election. You know, Obama had about 5 million less votes. Thank you, Linda. That was fast. Very good. All right, as we roll along, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program? All right, now, let's see. Mediaite. Uh, Cuomo is being honored with an international Emmy for leadership, masterful use of television during the pandemic. I don't even know what to say to that. Uh, I just, you know, I, I don't really even have anything against governor Cuomo. I don't, uh, it just is, I, I, I just don't know where to begin. The only questions I have for him, why didn't he listen to his own healthcare task force and get the ventilators they recommended in 2015, 15,783. And they went back as administrator. Well, how do we make better use of the 2000 we have? I, I just think you can learn from that. I'm not even being critical. Excuse uh, our arrogance as New Yorkers. I speak for the mayor also on this one. We think we have the best health care system on the planet right here in New York. So uh, when you're saying what happened in other countries versus what happened here, uh, we don't even think it's going to be as bad as it was in other countries. Now, do I think he said that maliciously? No. No. Do I think all the experts were wrong? Yes. Do I think that we had no idea what we were dealing with for a while? Yep. Do I think, you know, in that sense, you know, we're all flying blind. Nobody knew. I mean, the fact that we now have two vaccines created in the USA in less than a year is such an unbelievable medical breakthrough, such incredible talent, unbelievable, you know, scientists and researchers and, and doctors and medical professionals. I mean, I'm fascinated by all things medicine. And I just the fact that they were able to pull this thing off at a 95 percent efficacy rate and and means that lives are going to be saved. You know, the fact that we, you know, we've all struggled with this. What's the right thing to do? Do you wear masks? How many people are at risk? How many people might die? How many people might not die? Two and a half people might die. Wear masks. Don't wear masks. I mean, nobody, I don't think anyone did it maliciously. I think he made a bad choice as it relates to the executive order, but he just, my biggest problem is stop lashing out at Donald Trump. Take a little more ownership of the decisions you, you made. You know, understand and explain. People get that not everybody knew everything. And a lot was done for New York that New York doesn't seem a hell of a lot appreciative of. Um, And because why? Well, manufacturers of medical equipment didn't shut down and the food supply didn't shut down because if they did, we'd all be dead. And thanks to those people. We'll update Georgia next. All right, 25 to the top of the hour. Uh, I was looking over Real Clear Politics today and... I've known Matt Towery for a long time, Insider Advantage, the polling company, and my years in Atlanta uh, from 1992 to 1996. I just love the city. I was very proud of the year-end edition of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. 96 was a great year for two reasons. The Olympics came and Sean Hannity left. I have it in my office. 
Um, and he writes on the Georgia Senate runoff. He did a poll and he has the Purdue race literally tied at 49-49. The Loeffler race, Loeffler down one. Um, and he starts with, in the classic movie, The Godfather, Michael Corleone, or Corleone, travels to a small restaurant in the Bronx to meet with a rival mafia boss. At the table, the boss tells a corrupt policeman who is there to serve as a third-party witness that he's going to speak to Michael in Italian. In the movie, they switch languages to keep the policeman in the dark, and of course, we know what happened. He went out and said, can I go to the bathroom? Goes to the bathroom. A gun was prepared, shot them both, killed them in the restaurant, walked out, moved to Italy for a period of time. And then he goes on, Matt does, so I'm going to speak Georgian, not to keep anybody out, but hopefully add context to two situations the media has been complaining. Uh, and he joins us now. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to keep anybody out, but I'm going to speak Georgian. And I thought it was funny that the language you used. How are you, sir? <laughs> I'm doing great, Sean. How are you? Uh, all right. Well, first, this runoff January 5th, I couldn't think of a worse time. And for obvious reasons, like next week's Thanksgiving, you know, I, I I'm, I've been getting yelled at all day because I'm telling Linda, I think I'm going to end up putting off my vacation and coming in. She goes, no, you're not. You do this every time. I'm not I'm not canceling your fill in house. You can come in if there's an emergency. Says, so right now she's winning, but she may not win by Monday. Let's put it that way. Um, but I do have a lot like of commitments. So I'm going to get killed because I'm a workaholic already. What, Linda? You know what I think? I think I want Matt to do a poll for us. So, oh, Matt, no. I want you to poll America. There we go. And if there is a dispute or, or an argument between Sean and I, who's going to win? And I'm, oh, I'm just going to go. No, no, no. Yeah, Every do you have time, the results for me, Matt? The problem, Matt, is, is that I always say I'm going to take a day off, two days off, whatever, and then I don't do it. And then all the plans that she puts into, you know, lining up guest hosts and stuff and She's like, I'm not doing this again. Shut up and keep your commitments. And I have, I do Sean, have commitments. Sean, I know both of you way too well. I know who's going to win that war. Linda. No, I, the, the thing is, is I've won every time. She says, this is the time that I'm not going to win. First of all, you do not win every time, but I'll let you continue your interview. No, you got so mad at me. You didn't talk to me for a month once when I that came back. That was a very long time ago, and you deserved it. I'm not saying I didn't deserve it, but I'm saying that <laughs> yeah, I still came that back and did out. the show, whether you liked it or not. It's uh -huh. still called the Sean Hannity Show. Just saying. Come on, All right. man. Come on, oh, man. man. You a junkie? <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's go to Georgia and speak Georgian, because uh, what happens in Georgia now matters to the rest of the world. Yeah. So, so let's use a term that uh, the legendary speaker of the Georgia House, which I served in once upon a time, used to use. He would say, we're down to the lick lock. His name was Tom Murphy. He's long since passed away. Brilliant legislator. He was a Democrat. Um, the lick lock means you're out of time. Well, to your point, uh, Sean, you know, we're all going to take time off at Thanksgiving. We then come back. We're into the holiday season, whatever season we're going to be allowed to have with COVID and the way some states are responding. Then people try to take some time off after that, after Christmas. And right after New Year's is over, we're into this vote. And meanwhile, let me just say, and I noted this in this article, that the, the mail-in ballots, again, these absentee ballots, which have just been a complete disaster in Georgia, they're going out this week. They start to go out this week. Early voting starts in just a matter of a few weeks, right after Thanksgiving, a week or so into December. And then you're off to the races. 
So these candidates are, are struggling and, and trying to figure out how do you run um, in a runoff when you've just seen what looked like a win for the president evaporate in a, in a chaotic vote in Georgia. And, and by the way, I saw where Secretary of State Raffensperger said today that uh, the people have they've spoken. Yeah, I, I, I truly believe in the next few weeks he's going to be made to look like uh, a person who didn't know what was going on in his own ship. But that's a different issue. The, the, the chaos that's there right now does not help these Republican candidates uh, at the moment. All right. So, well, there we're dealing with two um, separate issues here. And, and one of the issues is, okay, you know, for example, I do think that Republicans better embrace, until they do get the rules straight, this issue of mail-in balloting, um, uh, in terms, they better get that right. You know, are Republicans going to embrace that? Well, they, they need to, Sean, because relying on that last day, that, that election day vote, um, although I think it did get the president over the top, but, but it certainly was a, a jump ball. And why do you, would you leave something to a jump ball when, in fact, you got the opportunity to be, getting, to put, be putting points up all the way through the game? That's what the Democrats have done. I mean, you've heard Stacey Abrams say that she has 600,000 mail-in ballots ready to go already. Well, that's a whole lot of votes that the Republicans had to make up. So, yes, I think the early vote concept, that ground game has to up itself immensely. I think another thing that's happened that I mentioned in the article, you've got a boatload of people right now who are on the voting rolls in Georgia. And by the way, this isn't suppression. This is honesty. You have people from out of state who actually have gone and registered somewhere else to vote, but decided to vote in Georgia. That's illegal. But they're they're right now on the voting rolls, and nothing has been done to clean those up. And those well, uh, just those sort of numbers that are there. Why are Republicans, if that's the case, and that is in your article, and I read that, I'm like, are you kidding me? All right, so how is that possible that you identified all of this and nobody else seems to be talking about it. What you identified was 15,000 individuals no longer live in Georgia. Now, that's confirmed. There's no doubt in that. And 8,800 inactive voters that cast a, a vote this cycle and then 14,000 low propensity voters. What are the odds that that would happen if there wasn't some type of fix? Well, I, let's put it this way. Like, let's use the out-of-state voters as an example. We know that some out-of-state voters are kids who are in college or there are other reasons where they still have an intent to return back to Georgia and can legally vote. But we know there are we know the statistics that there are about 5,000 who simply went and registered somewhere else. Now, as soon as you register in another state, you are no longer a resident of the state of Georgia. You've changed your intent. That's one of the indicia of deciding where your residence is. And I could go through all those other lists that you have that I you just read off. And there are a certain percentage of those people who have no business voting in the state of Georgia. They should be contested with their local election boards, and it should be happening now because it's very hard to deal with. After Is there a Republican operation to do that very thing? And when I read your piece, I'm like, well, who's fixing this? Oh, no, not right now. I mean, that, it, it's, it's still up in the air like so many other things. Um, that, and, and, and that gets to my concern about Georgia. I, I, I know that state well. Um, I've moved to Florida. We all know that. We talk about it all the time on the radio. But I still have a place in Georgia. I still grew up there. I still was a legislator there, businesses there. I know it like the back of my hand. But the, the situation in Georgia is, is, is serious because we have another problem. We have a governor and other leaders who did not want to come out for President Trump, and we have a rank-and-file Republican Party that is devoted to the president almost to the level of a religion. 
They're very dispirited. And whether or not they're going to turn out at Donald Trump levels for these senators is something that's going to be decided in the next few weeks, whether the president gets involved, whether they can reignite people, whether the party can unify to try to hold on to two U.S. Senate seats. Those are the big issues right now, because at the moment, the Democrats have the big momentum. They won the presidency. And they've got this this aura of they understand the the mystery of the Georgia vote, and somehow the Republicans don't seem to understand it. And then when we do understand it, you have a secretary of state who seems to be working for the Democrats. Well, I, I've never understood, because the secretary of state, when these questions are raised, why isn't he leading the charge? Because isn't that part of his job, election integrity and making sure the, the voter rolls are legitimate? And that every vote is legitimate. I mean, you know, this is the this, this is the problem I have with the media mob and with Democrats. You know, they want to just dismiss any American that under the threat of perjury would sign an, an affidavit. And we're not talking about a 10 or 15 people. We're talking about hundreds of people in all the states that matter. Um, and it's interesting, all the chaos. I mean, just alone with Georgia showing up with, you know, how many ballots this week? Thousands of ballots showed up this week over out of thin air. I mean, I just can't believe that doesn't like, you know, waken everybody up to what the hell happened here. How do you lose thousands of ballots? Well, Sean, I've been in politics um, in the sense that it was in it and then observing it, polling it, writing about it when I had my syndicated column for 40 plus years. Okay, in all of that time, I was Newt Gingrich's chairman when he was Speaker of the House, handled his campaigns, dealt with his recounts. I've dealt with recounts statewide. I have never in a single election in the state of Georgia seen thousands of ballots that suddenly uh, uh, appeared out of nowhere when you got into a, a second recount, recount, or in this case, what, what I would call more like an audit, to be honest with you, is what it was, and not a very good one. I've never seen this happen. So for people, and I predict, you know, nobody thinks there's any smoking gun. I think you're going to see more come out over the next few weeks. And we're going to see real evidence of what took place, not only in Georgia, but in other states. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about, I don't know the details. I don't know any conspiracy theories. I just believe that the truth comes out on these sort of things. And, and I do believe that there's a general feeling. You've mentioned it before. Why did everybody stop county ballots in all of these states? Georgia. Uh, By the way, didn't they have in Georgia, I forget the exact county right now. My brain is a little fried. And, <laughs> but didn't they stop? In in one but in maybe it was Fulton County or DeKalb County I don't remember. No, and they stopped. Well, in Fulton they stopped, which is which is a time honor honor tradition to always have some sort of disaster that allegedly happens in Fulton County. I say baloney on it. I don't think they quit counting ballots, and I think that this was the same thing that you saw repeated in places like Philadelphia, um, out in uh, possibly out in Maricopa County in Arizona, uh, possibly out in uh, Nevada. Um, certainly in Michigan, and certainly Wisconsin, where you had this massive dump of boats that suddenly uh, saved Joe Biden there. There's just something, a pattern here that seems to be too strange. But, hey, that's not my job. My job is to try to piece all that together and tell people what's going to happen in their Senate race. And all of that's having an effect. There's a hangover effect with Republicans right now. They, they, they are stunned that the president lost because they went to bed thinking the president had won. They're stunned because they haven't seen their leaders get up and try to do anything. Now, I'll give the Secretary of State in Georgia a little credit. He now says he wants to have a, a photo ID for everybody who casts an absentee ballot. 
Well, gosh, that's a darn good idea, don't you think? Because right now we have two classes of citizens in Georgia. We have the people who show up the same day to vote on Election Day. They have to show up their photo ID. They have to have their signature checked. And then for anybody who decided just to mail in a request for an absentee ballot, ah, their signature on that application is good enough. Now, yeah. come on. That's, now, that, what that's, are you, you going to tell? What would you tell Senator Perdue and Kelly Loeffner? Because I know you well, well I, enough to trust everything that you're – I trust your analysis completely, which should scare the living daylights out of everybody in the country, never mind Georgia. Well, here, here's what I would tell them in a nutshell. First of all, Metro Atlanta, to sit there and think that these are still Republican counties when they've all flipped Democrat is crazy. Like you Cobb County. Super, exactly, which I used to represent in the legislature. So, that, so, the, so what's happened there is you, you have individuals who have high income. They're well-educated. They tend, the demographic of them tend to be white uh, women, for example, and some men. They, they, for whatever reason, they don't like the message that the, the Republicans have. And I think saying to them, oh, the Democrats are going to turn socialist, that sounds great. But they, socialism, is, it sounds like you're throwing around a word like we used to say he's too liberal, and that would never work either. You've got to get down to showing people where, okay, the Democrats have control of the Senate. Oh, are you going to want to put those solar panels on your house? When you build a new house, because they're going to demand it, um, are, are, you go, are you going – think about the taxes you're going to pay in Atlanta or Cobb County or Fulton or DeKalb because of COVID, because you're going to get hit with a massive property tax increase. And then add that to whatever the Democrats are going to make you pay in fees and penalties and additional taxes. If you don't get a message to people like that – oh, and I might add uh, the idea that they're going to send a social worker to your house – when you have a legitimate police uh, situation, but because they want to retrain the police, they send a social worker instead. I know that because they're doing that where I live now. These uh, are real policies. Well, and, and, and I will tell you people. this. Um, I'll, I'll, you know, at the end of the day, the people of Georgia better take it seriously. I mean, look, I can't tell them what to do. I just know the people of Georgia. I think people will get it. If, last question, quick. Would the president help sure. if he came down? Oh, he's essential. Without President Trump or something that ignites the Trump vote back up, and that's in the rest of the state outside of uh, Metro Atlanta, there's no way that these two candidates can win. That is a scary, chilling scenario. All right. Matt Towery, 800-941-SEAN. Georgia, are you paying attention? All right, Hour 2, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza? So you wouldn't know this, but uh, our friend from Wisconsin, Senator Ron Johnson, oversaw a hearing yesterday. Doctors testifying with regards to the medical response, COVID-19 pandemic across the country. And which, by the way, is just a smart, intelligent things to do. The media doesn't want to hear a thing. They only want to hear what they want to hear. Now, nobody's denying that we're seeing a, an increase in the incidence uh, at a pretty alarming rate in part of the country, as we always had predicted, that, yes, the waves would come. We also now have two vaccines, thank God, that the United States of America, Warp Speed, Operation Warp Speed, that, you know, we're going to get on track by the end of the year with massive production and distribution plans at the ready. Logistics ready to go with the U.S. military that Donald Trump had put in place. Anyway, so you have these hearings, but nobody wants to cover them. And I'm like, why not? The media is just too busy saying they hate Donald Trump every second of the day. Anyway, one doctor, Dr. Peter McCullough, who will join us with Senator Johnson in a minute, says, I'm asking for government agencies to assist doctors with innovation and compassionate care. And then talking about academic health papers 
and industry lying, for example, about and politicizing something we had discussed, something like uh, hydroxychloroquine. Listen. I've reviewed every report from real-world data from American doctors who have innovated and faced this problem. And I can tell you that they are achieving rates of hospitalization and death less than 3% for high-risk Americans, over 50 with multiple conditions. Most doctors can achieve less than 1%. With no treatment in the United States right now, an individual over 50 with medical problems faces a 7% rate of hospitalization and death. Someone in their 80s, that skyrockets to 40%. I can tell you as a doctor... I have always treated high-risk patients with the best tools available. And I looked at all the evidence. When it was obvious that AIDS drugs didn't work, I didn't use them. But hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, if I had favipiravir, I'd combine it with other drugs. And then steroids. That should be non-controversial. Doctors should be using corticosteroids in patients and outpatients. They're supported by both inpatient and outpatient studies, as well as blood thinners. What doctor would not help a patient who's at risk for a catastrophic stroke that occurs as a complication of this condition? So I can tell you right now, I'm not asking for permission to do this, but I'm asking for your help. I'm asking for the government to organize all government agencies that are related to this to assist doctors rapidly with their innovation and their compassionate care of patients with COVID-19 at home because we can present, prevent hospitalization and death. And right now, it's the only option on the table. This is not just a government culpability and uh, malfeasance with respect to hydroxychloroquine. This is academic malfeasance. There were two fraudulent papers, one in the English Journal of Medicine, one in Lancet, published by individuals interested in doing evil to the world with respect to a beneficial treatment of hydroxychloroquine. In an unprecedented manner, these two manuscripts were withdrawn after two weeks where they could scare the public and the world's physician audience. Since that time, there have been dozens of fraudulent Reemphasize that. They were then withdrawn. They were withdrawn, and, and the New England Journal of Medicine and Lancet acknowledged that they were fraudulent papers. They were scare papers to scare people on hydroxychloroquine. Since that time, there's been dozens of pile-on uh, scare tactics in academics. This isn't the government. This is people in my field in academic medicine who are committing academic fraud. I reviewed a paper. I'm a cardiologist. I reviewed a paper that made it into the medical literature demonstrating that hydroxychloroquine causes a heart attack, that hydroxychloroquine causes a giant scar in the heart. I can tell you firsthand hydroxychloroquine does not cause giant scars in the heart. So academic medicine is committing a fraud, is committing, uh, 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 a, a, I think, a crime against humanity there must be a motivation behind this that's much bigger than just Democrat versus Republican. Well, I think part of it is, well, Donald Trump mentioned it. Sadly, that's what it came down to. Imagine that, you know, the New England Journal of Medicine and Lancet, two prestigious medical publications, they published these studies and they both have to retract them. And those were the ones that were most widely distributed to the news media. Anyway, Senator Ron Johnson is with us. He oversaw the hearing. And Dr. Peter McCullough, who you just heard, is uh, with us as well. You know, it's interesting, Senator Johnson, when, when we had Dr. Oz on pretty much every day for periods of time during this COVID pandemic and our other medical experts, you know, as he would always say, number one, you go to war with the army you have, not the one you wish you have. Uh, and number two, when medicine and politics intersect, Politics always wins. He was right. Look at New England Journal of Medicine and look at Lancet. It's a very sad fact. And because we politicized uh, COVID, tens of thousands of people have died because of it. So I, I was hoping the election's over. You know, I, I brought Peter McCulloch, a wonderful person, uh, vice chief of medicine at Baylor University, 
practicing cardiologist. We brought in Harvey, Dr. Harvey Rich, a uh, Yale professor, Ph.D. in epidemiology, then George Freed, a uh, Harvard-trained doctor, had been practicing medicine for 50 years, been treating thousands of COVID patients with the hydroxychloroquine and zinc cocktail and having success with it. So I was kind of hoping we could have an open discussion. Maybe people would open their minds so that lives could be saved. But the Democrats then called Dr. Zha, who just continued to scaremongering. They're talking about how 77 additional calls in the poison center is a, seven, a 93% increase in, in poisonings. I mean, just this is when a half a million people have, have taken hydroxychloroquine during their time period. It's infinitesimal, but he's still out there scaring and also denying the evidence. It was just so amazing how stark the difference was. Here I have three eminent doctors practicing and treating COVID patients. They're saying the evidence exists, 50% reduction in death and hospitalizations, fivefold in a Saudi study. They've got the evidence. And here the Democrat witness is denying it you know, and, and doing it smugly with all kinds of authority. I, I was hoping we could have an honest discussion, but I, I think the social media is probably censoring this. It's, it's, it's a tragedy, Sean, that this has been politicized. It has cost thousands, tens of thousands of people worldwide their lives. You know, we've had many experts, Dr. McCullough, on this program, and thank you for joining us. You're the vice chairman of medicine at Baylor University Medical Center, very prestigious, professor of medicine, Texas A&M. Um, you're an internist, you're a cardi- cardiologist and epidemiologist. And, you know, w- when I first read Daniel Wallace, I don't know if you ever read his paper. He's with Cedars-Sinai, largest lupus rheumatoid arthritis practice, 400 peer-reviewed articles, and he went through... And in all the detail, 42 years of dispensing this 65-year-old drug, and he said the risk at the doses we're talking about are nil, zero. This guy's been dispensing that drug to thousands and thousands of people for 42 years. That convinced me. I know people that took a run of hydroxy and zinc and vitamin D and C3 or D3 and C C and zinc and all this stuff, and every one of them swears by it. Yeah, well, thank you, Sean, for having me on, and and, uh, and and these are my opinions, and not necessarily those of my institutions. And I, listening to that testimony, I think uh, uh, Senator Johnson really got me fired up uh, on this. Um, but um, I, you know, I have to tell you, uh, I'm an internist and cardiologist. I have 600 peer-reviewed publications in the literature. I stopped on a dime back in March, and I redirected my career, and my scholarship on COVID-19. I have a dozen papers published in, in COVID-19. I've chaired data safety monitoring boards and high-stakes clinical trials over 24 times. And you, I've, I've personally taken care of COVID patients, red-hot COVID patients. I've had it myself. My family members have had it myself. I believe I am uniquely qualified and supremely justified in saying the threshold has been crossed that patients with COVID-19 should be treated at home to prevent hospitalizations and death. And uh, the minority Democratic witness yesterday, a very junior physician who's trying to craft his uh, a media career on CNN, played a, an old academic game in front of the Senate, in front, in front of the American public, and I think he's been roundly repeated for this. And the game is this. The game is there'll never be enough evidence. Oh, there's not enough enough evidence. I'm an evidence-based physician. And Senator Johnson let this go for about two hours until he asked the question. And the question was, Doctor, have you ever taken care of a COVID patient? And his answer was meekly and humiliatingly, no. Wow. And I have to tell you that hydroxychloroquine, as you've indicated, 
is safe and effective, and it's the most widely used uh, uh, therapeutic for treating COVID-19 in the world. And because the data continue to pour in hydroxychloroquine, there now is a website uh, called um, uh, 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 ACQ Meta that now calculates the odds that hydroxychloroquine does not work in COVID-19 are 1 in 17 billion. 1 in 17 billion. So for the minority witness, it'll never be good enough. So for people who want to continue to deny care to patients with COVID-19 at home, the, the, the public can see right through this. Well, look, everyone has to make their own decision in consultations with their own doctors. You know, as part of my job and my work, um, I bring on people like yourself that have incredible credentials, and I get to pick your brain. And I, I've been listening, and the people that I most like and respect, and this is for Sean Hannity, I get this thing. I'm all over this. I would totally, completely call you and, and get your your advice uh, where I know people in the media are, are aghast that I would say that. I'm not recommending it for anybody. I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to play one on radio. But I'm but I'm allowed to give my opinion what I would do. Senator Johnson, your thoughts. Well, you know, Sean, I champion right to try in Congress. I mean, Me it's, too. It's because I'm it's, all for it's, that, too. It's because I'm the one that pushed it, and then President Trump, uh, his leadership got that signed. And all that does, all that, all, what that allows people is the freedom to choose for themselves. And this isn't even an FDA-approved drug that Right to Try applies to. Hydroxychloroquine has been approved for 65 years. There have been billions and billions of doses. I believe it should be your right as a patient working with your doctor. In, rather than the, 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 accommodate, you know, the, the professors up in their ivory towers that never treat patients, looking at studies that, like Dr. McCulloch said, are just never enough, you know, actually working with doctors who have the compassion, that are within that circle of empathy, that are watching people die and just refusing to follow NIH, NIH guidelines and say, we're not going to do anything for you until you're too sick and you've got to go to the hospital. That's not it got, compassion. That's, that's not medicine. New England Journal of Medicine and Lancet did more damage, in my view, because that both of those publications became the most widely publicized, Senator. No, and, and this is what we have to ask our, ourselves the question, what is happening here? What, the the risk-reward ratio is so in favor of, tr- of trying things. Hydroxychloroquine, zinc, ivermectin, I don't care what works, but why aren't we trying them? They're safe, and, and the, the risk of it is minimal, but yet we've been prevented from that. What, because President Trump said hydroxychloroquine, so we had to poison that, and in so doing that, by politicizing hydroxychloroquine, we shut off all the avenues of the other exploration of other drugs that could keep people out of the hospital. Here's one of my suspicions, Sean. Hydroxychloroquine costs 20 bucks. Remdesivir, that is far more dangerous, it's injectable. You have to be in the hospital for three days. It costs over 3000 The other things that the drug companies are pushing. By the way, a, a dose of hydroxy, I understand, is like three cents or five cents. Yeah, it costs about seven cents a pill, but it's $20 total treatment. That zinc and a Z-pack. You know, so, yes. so obviously pharmaceutical companies have a real uh, incentive to push more expensive therapies. Could that be what's happening here? I don't know. Uh, um, now, by the way, I wish you the best to, to Senator Grassley, uh, Senator Johnson. How's he doing, all right? Last time I heard he, he was like me when I got COVID, no symptoms. So, yeah, please, everybody, keep him in your prayers. And, Sean, just thank, I want to thank you for highlighting this. You know, taking time out of your show to talk about something that will save lives. That, that's what this is all about. But thank you. Dr. McCullough, what do you advise people? And you can't obviously be the doctor to everybody that's listening to this radio show. What do you advise them to look at if, God forbid, they get COVID? They, you know, they get a, a positive diagnosis. Well, in brief, uh, 
people under age 50 with no health problems largely don't need uh, treatment unless they have severe symptoms. Patients over 50, though, or with medical problems should have treatment. Fortunately, the American Association of Physicians and Surgeons has a home uh, patient guide available on their website. It outlines the drugs uh, that they should get. Most patients need about four prescription drugs and three to five uh, uh, supplements over the counter. And there are, in the back, there are uh, links to 1 800 uh, telemedicine hotlines where the patients can get treatment. So in the United States, and I made it very clear in my testimony, the power dynamic is not that doctors are asking the government for permission to do this. The, the, the statement I made is listen, we're doing this either kind of help us or get out of the way because patients are dying right now. You know, I'm fully on board with the CDC guidelines. They're doing the best they can. But I think it was a fool's errand to think that if we just did contagion control, that the problem would be solved. We needed what's called the four pillars of pandemic response. And I think really all the experts miss this. Uh, that is control the spread of the infection, pillar number one. Number two is early home treatment, zero effort on that. By the way, the government and big pharma have de- delivered zero oral drugs for doctors to use in the outpatient arena. Pillar number three is hospitalization. We're maxed out there. We're doing everything we can. Pillar number four is vaccination. As you pointed out, it's going to close out the pandemic. Uh, I think this is all valuable information. I-, I just urge people, please think out of the box. Don't follow, you know, don't think the media is doing your favors. You know, talk to your doctor, look into possibilities and treatments. And like the Henry Ford study said, you know, if you take these things earlier, it's better, right? Absolutely. All right. Very, very informative, especially kids coming home from college. I'm worried about a lot of grandmas and grandpas this holiday. Thank you for being with us. Uh, Our best to Senator Grassley, also Senator Johnson. Thank you. Uh, 800-941-SEAN is our number. If you want to be a part of the program, quick break. Right back. We'll continue. All right. Glad you're with us. Uh, 800-941-SEAN. Toll free number 25 to the top of the hour. Uh, We heard the story about these two board of canvassers at this, you know, Michigan certification meeting. And they said, no, no, no. We have we have questions we need to be answered before we can certify any election. Now, remember, the first issue came up when Laura Cox talked about, well, we just had a 6,000 vote error in Biden, but Joe Biden's favor. Remember this? If all this wasn't enough, in Antrim County, ballots were counted for Democrats that were meant for Republicans, causing a 6,000 vote swing against our candidates. The county clerk came forward and said, tabulating software glitched and caused a miscalculation of the votes. Since then, we have now discovered that 47 counties use this same software in the same capacity. Antrim County had to hand count all of the ballots, and these counties that use this software need to closely examine their results for similar discrepancies. The people of Michigan deserve a transparent and open process. All right. Now, that happened early on. And then we went through what we've been able to discover in our investigation into Dominion. Um, And, you know, I still have a lot of answers to this thing. And, you know, everybody in the media did up until the election. All the Democrats did up until the election. It's amazing how they go eerily silent uh, when it benefits them uh, politically. Um, so anyway, so they they literally initially vote against certifying Wayne County because of the the issues that had been raised there. The minute they do that, all of a sudden on a Zoom call, they just get hammered. Listen. 
Your grandchildren are going to think of you like Bull Connor or George Wallace. Shame on you for leading to this level of corruption. You have disavowed your right to even sit in the seats that you occupy. You are a disgrace. Tonight, it is as though the 15th Amendment was never passed. It was then disingenuous to assert that this is anything other than two members using their positions to cast doubt both on the votes of African-American voters and the work of those who counted them. Because what the both of you are doing right now is adding to systemic racism. And what that tells us is you, Miss Monica Palmer from which has a history of racism, are deciding to enable and continue to perpetuate the racist history of this country. And I want you to think about what that means for your kids who probably go to and when they see all their black classmates. All right. So that, that was the response. It's like, well, it must be rooted in racism. No history of racism here. Anyway, um, Chris Kolbalk is the former Kansas secretary of state, took a, the affidavit of Monica Palmer, and she, uh, you know, discussed her role and what happened there. And she released a list of responses to the ongoing criticism she has faced. And Chris Kobach is uh, representing her. Anyway, uh, thank you for being with us, Chris. Good to have you back. Long time. Yeah, great to be with you, Sean. All right. So she tells the story that the meeting was heartbreaking because the intentions were to protect the Detroit vote. She was, was shocked at the accusations of racism um, and concerned about 70 percent of precincts not balancing in Wayne County. Explain what she means by that. Well, that the uh, the numbers basically don't add up, that there's some imbalance uh, either in the, the vote totals not matching the number of vote, the, the totals for each candidate matching the participants, the total number participating in the election, or it can be any number of things that are out of balance. But Sean, the certification of an election, either at the county stage or later at the statewide stage, is not a casual rubber stamp. It's, it's the equivalent of a sworn statement whereby you certify, and Monica was to certify with certainty, based on the evidence in front of her, that the vote totals are 100% accurate. And she was saying in 70% of the jurisdictions, there were doubts as to their accuracy. When I was Secretary of State of Kansas, I sat on the state election board. We would never have placed our signatures on the certification of any vote totals where there was a single minute discrepancy. It would have been dishonest to do so. So the leftist mob that pressured Monica was demanding that she act dishonestly in derogation of her duty to make sure that the totals are exactly correct and certain. She had a legal and moral obligation not to certify. And for them to you know, accuse her of being racist in doing what she was legally obligated to do, it was shameful. Monica Palmer joins us now. Um, Monica, thank you for being with us. Uh, you talked about the meeting being heartbreaking, and you sat for two hours as people were attacking you and accusing you of racism. And you talked about what was your concern that Chris was just addressing, the 70 percent of precincts not balancing in Wayne County. Uh, and I just want to give you a chance to tell your story and let America hear it directly from you and what happened. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. And um, the, the starting point was not being able to have an executive summary um, printed out for us to review beforehand. You know, we're expected to be able to meet and analyze the data and, and vote to cert certify the election results. And that's kind of hard to do without a written report per precinct to see what is balanced, what's not balanced, and what's not balanced unexplained. 
Um, we, we were given a verbal report from, um, from staff and frantically had to write down, jot down the precincts. And I did the rough math to come up on a 70% of the Detroit absentee counting boards. There were other communities in Wayne County outside of Detroit that were also um, out of balance, unexplained. And when I tried to... When you say out of balance and unexplained, just to be clear for people to understand, explain that. Um, If you have 105 ballots that were issued in the poll book and five of those ballots were spoiled you're only going to have 100 in the, in the total count of votes on election night. When we say balanced, it means those two numbers match. Well, if you've got 105 issued and 100 totaled, the five spoiled should be noted in the poll book. You should be able to say, I started with 105, five of them were spoiled, and you can tie out to the 100. In other but words, you see- want the numbers to add up, and you're saying that they didn't add up. How bad were they? Uh, 70% of the absentee counting boards did not have explanations for why they didn't add up. Some of them, some of the precincts, the largest one was off by 34 votes. I mean, that's a, yeah, that, it's a significant number. And, you know, like a lot of things in this election, it raises, you know, a lot of questions about whether or not people are ever going to have integrity and faith and confidence in elections and the fairness of which. Um, okay. So when you explain this after you, you know, you sat there for two hours being called all these names. Nobody really wanted to hear it, did they? No. And when I when I tried to off the cuff from the verbal report say, you know, we've got a problem with the Detroit precinct. Um, it took two more sentences because I was interrupted um, to try to say there's other communities. Let's certify what's clean, what's balanced, what has explanations. Let's certify what we can, um, and then not certify and give the state more time to work on those those questions that aren't answered yet. Um, and unfortunately, it was all or nothing with the other members on the board and and into the disparaging comments. And you know, I just what I don't understand. I mean, and you didn't get a chance to even lay that part of it out. Um, and you're on record as saying that you you were very clear that the margin of victory was was not going to change. It wasn't going to change the outcome in your view, but by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but what you're fighting for and what you've been fighting for is voter integrity. Um, are other people in, in your district, are people where you live, are they supportive? Or is this just a, you know, doxing attack, you know, accusations, name calling moment for you uh, that you never expected or signed up I, for? I really, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I didn't expect that. I, I knew there was going to be some resistance, but I did not expect this level of backlash. Welcome um, to my world, it, Monica. Sorry, go ahead. It's not about the top of the ticket. Okay, this, These precincts are about your local races, your school board, your mayors, your city council people, state reps, a race that might be off by one vote or five votes. And these local candidates want a recount to make sure things are done right. Yeah, the numbers don't add up. Whoops, they're out of balance. But don't say anything or else look what happens. All right, so now, it, again, if you had had your chance to explain it, but you, you weren't even able to finish your sentence here, and they went off the rails and just attacked you of all this. And by the way, there's nothing, I think, worse you could call somebody than racist. Um, but you found a way out of this. You voted to certify based on an agreement that took place. Can you explain that? Yeah, um, Vice Chair Jonathan Kinlock um, pulled me aside into the warehouse, t- 
trying to find a solution to get the certification done and assured me that he had talked to Governor Whitmer and had her buy-in that, that, that we would be guaranteed to get an audit, a comprehensive, independent audit on those unbalanced precincts, the unexplained ones, which would get to the point of having the explanation, and, and that would fulfill the role of the canvas. I only agreed to that motion because of the promise of that comprehensive independent audit. I so let me then, and, and is that real? Is that going to happen? I, I doubt it. Um, I was notified minutes after we voted for that. Um, Secretary Benson was on TV saying that our motion was not binding and that she wouldn't have to do it. Um, there's been a press release issued since then that talks about an audit, but it's after the state certifies. It's not comprehensive. It, it, it's it's kind of like a softball. And this is when about. you and one other member rescinded the votes, correct? Yes, yes. And then they said you didn't have the right to do that. That's what they're telling me. Uh, now I guess it's up to, I, I am not a lawyer, so I'm waiting to Chris, see how Chris, why don't you out. weigh in on that? I mean, does, yeah. I mean, do they look, so, did, yeah, they, she can absolutely rescind her, her decision to certify. And, you know, basically the the state board is going to be looking at all of these certification decisions by the various counties in Michigan. And when you have the certifiers telling them, we, we have rescinded our certification, we do not certify, they, you know, it's sort of a, a legal game here. What, you know, can you rescind, can you not? But they, they absolutely have the knowledge. And the state board now has the knowledge that the Wayne County Board is no longer satisfied with the number. So it doesn't really matter whether we say, yes, you can check the box rescinded or no, you can't. They now have the knowledge that the results are not uh, to the the satisfaction of the board in Wayne County. And, And, Sean, I would add, this is symptomatic of a larger problem of the left in the last, you know, five to ten years. They get so aggressive and angry when anyone points at obvious fraud or, as you put it, election integrity. We even mention those words. As you may remember, when President Trump uh, asked me to lead his presidential commission on election integrity in 2017, we were immediately and irrationally and angrily attacked by the left. The blue states refused to send us voter rolls, which are public information. You had 13 lawsuits filed to shut the commission down more than any other presidential commission in history. And and I think it's the same thing happening here um, in microcosm. She, Monica, shone a light of, of a spotlight on a problem. And then as soon as someone does that, the left just, get, you know, takes on the tenor of a mob and starts shouting and calling the person racist and whatever terms they can use to shut down any effort to restore integrity to these elections. And so it's, it's it, as you put it, John, it's a, it's a bigger problem. It's, it's, this is just one episode. Uh, the, the, the most ironic part of this is, you know, the same Democrats and the same media pushed a Russian conspiracy lie on the country for three years. So, you know, yeah. really... Uh, over yeah. them not accepting the 2016 election results. Monica, I give you a lot of credit. Um, I'm sorry that you had to go through that. Uh, standing for integrity and confidence in elections is a good thing. It's too bad that um, if you stand up for something that w- you would think everybody would agree on, this is what the outcome is. And I don't know what your future plans are, but um, I would imagine it's probably not in the political realm. I'd say, okay, I've had enough. Why waste my time if this is, you know, this is the thanks you get for trying to show integrity? It's sad to me. It is. It definitely makes you want to see more civility to come back into civic engagement for sure. <laughs> don't hold your breath. I'm, I'm waiting for it too. I don't think it's going to happen, uh, but I wish it would as well. I truly do. Thank you both, Chris. Good to hear your voice again, Monica. Thank you. We'll continue. 
Big and Rich. Uh, now, he joins us now along, uh, by the way, his new uh, show on the Fox Nation channel at foxnation.com. Uh, the Pursuit is now going into season number two. Pete Hegseth, co-host, Weekend Fox and Friends, Modern Warriors. His new book is out, Real Stories from Real Heroes. Uh, welcome, both of you, uh, to the program. You know, John Rich, I'm listening to you sing, Stop Talking, Shut Up About Politics. And I'm like, you just beat the crap a few weeks ago uh, of your Nashville mayor for inflating COVID numbers in Nashville. <laughs> yeah, well, that was that was calling a guy out for lying. <laughs> you know, well, what well, I mean? well, hang on a second. You weren't involved in politics there. Uh, you know, politics in Nashville, unfortunately, uh, you've got a very red state and a very blue mayor. So it's uh, it's always a little contentious around here. I don't know. I think maybe John Rich for, for mayor might, might have a good ring to it, and uh, things will definitely be better down in Nashville. Uh, Pete Hegseth, congrats on the new book, Modern Warriors. I mean, these are the real stories of real heroes, people you serve with yourself, um, amazing people. That's why we, we're part of organizations like buildinghomesforheroes.org, which I love. Uh, congratulations. Thank you very much, Sean. I appreciate it. By the way, I've been to... Uh to John's bar in Nashville, he's popular enough he could be mayor. I want to confirm that. He well, by the run. way, I was in the bar in Vegas. We had a great time that night, the Redneck Riviera. <laughs> yes. I tell you yes, what, we should all meet up in a bar again after this week. Uh, we all need a cocktail. We need some Redneck Riviera stat, boys. We need I need a today. case. I need, I need grandma's version, the case. <laughs> no doubt. Indeed. Yeah. Well, that, and to, to, the, to your question about the book, Sean, that's what it's about. It's about putting the readers inside the bar with a couple of vets where they've had a few drinks and they're willing to tell the real candid, uh, no, not politically correct, blunt, raw reality of what combat is. You know, we, uh, on your show or mine, sometimes you only get three, four, five minutes with somebody who deserves three, four, five hours. And you want to get to learn who they are and what makes them tick and what's it like to hear the bullets whizzing by your head. And that's what we did with the show Modern Warriors on Fox Nation. And that's what we're doing with the book, too, that comes out on Tuesday of next week, is 15 amazing warriors who have huge stories to tell, and we just sat down and asked them about it, got them comfortable, and they, uh, they, they told us what it's really like, and people will be inspired. You'll learn a ton, and you'll meet the human side of the Navy SEAL Trident and the Green Beret and, and the Army Rangers and the things they've done over the last 20 years that will make you proud to be an American. You know, I, in many ways, your book, Pete, and your series, John, go in tandem here, you know, because what you do is you're learning from stars, Hollywood people, famous people, athletes about success. And I don't know anybody that ever walks this earth 
that has it easy. You know, you say, oh, rich people have it easy. There's nobody that I know that gets through this life without pain, without difficulty, without striving, without suffering, without things being hard. I don't care what it is, but for whatever it is, we all go through that. That is the common human experience, John Rich, and that's what you bring out of these guests. That's exactly right. You know, we're the only nation in the history of the world that gave its citizens the right to pursue happiness. There's billions of people all over this planet that woke up today that are talented. They have soul. They have passion, intellect. But because of where they live, they're not allowed to exhaust their potential. They're not allowed to pursue happiness. But we are. And this show, The Pursuit, it reminds us all, hey, if you woke up in America today, count yourself as one of the luckiest people ever and go take advantage of it. That's why it talks of socialism, which uh, de-incentivizes people to work hard and strive and risk and fail and come back. You know, that's why that's, that's, a, that's a lie, and it's a failed experiment. America and what we stand for with the right to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, that's everything. That's why we still are a country, and that's what my show really puts an exclamation point on. Who's up next? Who do you have in the can that you're going to be showing us? Well, uh, Clint Black sat down with me. Man, what a cool story he's got. There's actually a guy who's not a famous guy who was a homeless man that I met in Nashville about 15 years ago on the sidewalk. He was singing a song. I thought I thought the guy was really good and didn't like the thought of him out on the street. I put him uh, on a stage, introduced him to all my friends. Now the guy's got his own TV show. He's, you know, he became a preacher, all these incredible things. And you know, the right to pursue happiness doesn't mean you're going to wind up rich and famous. It means that you have the right to go after whatever it is that you want to do with your life. And anybody that tries to construct a government or put laws in place that hinder that, those are the people, in my opinion, they're the enemy. They're, they are against the founding principles of our country. we got to remember why we're so strong and great. And that, Pete, is what, why the military, they don't, they don't have the luxury of just saying, you know, uh, I'm going to take off today. Uh, I don't feel like working today. I mean, did you, you're in the middle of a conflict or a war zone. You don't have that luxury. You just don't. And whatever the obstacle you're going to face that you can't plan for that given day, no matter, you know, as you put your life in jeopardy, and these stories are always amazing, and I just sit there in stunned silence most of the time when I meet people that have lived through these moments and you just you know you just sit there in amazement at the courage and the fortitude and the strength and the level of commitment that they're going to overcome they're going to adapt and they're going to they are going to be victorious yeah absolutely you know john just so eloquently laid out the special system that we have in this country which empowers individuals well that also creates a special kind of warrior who's not fighting for the king he's not fighting to, to enrich himself not fighting um, you know, for, for the prerogatives of, of, of capturing land. They fight because they love what's behind them, not because they hate what's in front of them. And when you unleash free people to actually defend themselves and their freedoms, you get the kind of special warrior. There's a reason why we don't lose. But we may have had some conflicts that go sideways and, and, and the end of them be uh, ambiguous. But you want to find a single battle or a single moment when the American warrior loses and you're not, you're not going to be able to count them on one hand is because when you truly love and invest in where you live and the system that you, you admire, then you're willing to fight for it and you're willing to push through the adversity. And, yes, politics gets involved. And, yes, you know, rules of engagement come in and, and you're restricted on doing certain things or you get pulled out too soon or you get put in precarious situations. But with the level of training, the level of love, 
that warriors have for our country and each other and the freedom, the, the jewel of freedom that we are, makes them special. Uh, term, turns them into the most amazing fighting machines you've ever met. And then it sends them back home, and the book's a lot about that as well on Modern Warriors, how they transition home and are a part of making America freer and, and educating citizens about how great it is back home. So the service really doesn't stop for these guys. Yeah, by the way, like John Rich can't teach me and Pete how to sing, could you? Uh, that's a, got, that's a pursuit of happiness that the world doesn't need or want. Hannity singing. Hegseth singing. Yes, yes but Sean, if singing would make you happy, brother, you've got the It right makes me happy, it. but I can't do it. I suck at it. I can't even learn. I just, I'm so off key. It's ridiculous. <laughs> well, well, I, we was, love I you, was in, uh, I was in ninth grade choir, so I'll be a backup for you anytime. But I'm not a solo. Oh, there guy. you go. There you go. We'll give Sean a tambourine and and. and oh, get out of here with the tambourine! I'm banging on the drums like I did with Charlie Daniels when I used to sing "The Devil Went Down to Georgia." What do you mean the tambourine? I couldn't think of a worse instrument you could give me. Oh yeah, man! We're gonna give you a tambourine and a, and a little beret, <laughs> and you can stand in the back and, and like jump up and down. Um, you know, how about giving that to Hegseth? You know. I mean, I'll yeah, I'd like to see Hexeth with his tatted up arms out there and, you know, doing the tambourine on stage with you. Come on. I hey, give Pete a hard time about it. Yelling just like it's more not- cowbell. They'll be saying we want more tambourine, more tambourine. <laughs> oh, we love man. you, Sean. You know, we kid, we kid. Oh, yeah, we kid. Hannity's just an open target. How is uh, down in Nashville? How how is COVID now? And how is the reaction down there to all this uh, election mess? Well, I think uh, the three words I would sum it up with is this. Hypocrisy breeds distrust. And when our politicians tell us one thing and impose certain rules on us, and then we turn around and see them breaking their own rules, I don't know how they expect us to respect their position. Um, And that's a real problem. It's not only a problem with COVID, it's also a problem with this election. You know, how can you say foreign interference got Donald Trump into the White House, but foreign interference has nothing to do with Joe Biden getting into the White House. You know, they even want you to raise the question. For for four years, they never accepted this guy as president. Four straight years. And delegitimized this guy for, you know, the entire time. The whole Russia lie. Now we're getting lectured about the threat to democracy from the mob and the media. I'm like, save your lectures for somebody who gives a beep, because it's not me. I don't care what you people say. The, the do as I say, not as I do mantra that they've all adopted does not work in real life. I can't tell my two boys, hey, don't say a, a cuss word and then take a phone call and cuss somebody out in front of them. I can't do that because they won't respect their dad and they won't believe that I believe what I'm saying. And that's what we're seeing in this country. Sean, people are so frustrated and so aggravated. It, it is at an all-time high from the people that I know around the country. It's not a healthy situation. We need clarity, we need answers, and we need them now. And your take, Pete? Yeah, I mean, uh, spare me this whole, we we need to rush to validate this process. Uh, We went through it for four years. We can wait four weeks, six weeks. And I I commend, truly commend, what the president's legal team is doing to overturn every rock, get every affidavit, look at every system, look at every time the voting was stopped. Why was it stopped? Who stopped it? What do the ballot facts look like? Because if we don't do this now, we, A, won't get this election right, and B, Republicans and conservatives and patriots won't win any elections going forward because the left's going to try to ram mail-out ballots to become the standard. So patience is a virtue, especially at this moment, but it takes a lot of guts, and I salute the president. 
for having the guts to stand strong and, and see this through. And we'll see where it goes. But there's no reason to back down right now. What is a John Rich Christmas like? I can only imagine John in his basement. <laughs> he has this like jam bar basement with a with a stage. And, you know, how many people can you fit down in that thing? Oh, you can fit quite a few, but, uh, you know, don't tell the mayor. Don't tell the mayor that. But I am going to try something new this year. I got a big green egg, you know, those smokers. Yeah. I'm going to smoke the biggest turkey I can get my get my hands on. We're going to try that out. And uh, I'm looking forward to Christmas. Nah, let me tell you, you're making the mistake of your life. You want me to How's save that? your Thanksgiving? Sure. Okay. Get a butterball turkey fryer <laughs> and put and you inject it with, you know, some but basically a buttery sauce. You so put is a this 15, a, I, a 15 hang on, hang pounder. On. You put it in. You okay. put it in peanut oil. You let it fifteen minute, an hour later. Fifteen pound turkey done to perfection, and it's the juiciest thing you've ever had. I wonder how many times a Yankee has given a Texan uh, lessons on how to actually <laughs> prepare meat the right way, and it actually worked out. I don't know, Sean. Maybe this is the first. You know, time well, what are you living back in the Civil War days? Really, Yankee? <laughs> is that, that the attacks so that we go back that far? That's what you're saying? Because I know butterball turkey. I'll even send you the fryer if you promise to use it. I'm going to stick with my big green egg and some lump charcoal, my man, some Cajun oh, seasoning. And I bet right you my turkey's juicier than yours. There you go, Pete. You're the final verdict John, here. I, I'll, hey, I, you can send me that fire that John Rich. <laughs> you got it. John thank Rich, you, John. Love you, Pete Hegseth, thank you both. 800-941-SEAN is our number. Call, uh, as we say hi, to George in Florida. George, hi. How are you? Glad you called. Happy Thanksgiving. Hey, uh, Sean. Thank you for uh, taking my call. Happy Thanksgiving to you. My question is, um, are, are you concerned uh, by the silence in the media like I am? Because you know, like, my, like, like you, I'm a, I'm a student of history and the, and the human condition. And I can see like a time before conservative radio, like 40 years ago, how the way when the mainstream, mainstream press were the only gatekeepers and people like myself with conservative views, we had no we had no platform, and what caused what happened is when that happened was that a lot of people withdrew from the from politics for self preservation to protect their family, and what I see the same pattern happening now, especially with the election, because when when uh, uh, Facebook and and uh, and Twitter. Uh, uh, no longer have the platform, and some of the uh, national press is not reporting honestly. It's going to cause a withdrawal, and in and, and I know the Trump effect that we have. The, the Trump had did a lot of heavy lifting, Sean. And if if, if we feel that I, same way, we're going to withdraw again, and we're not going to get. Well, the response you, that listen, the cause for the battle for, and fight for liberty and freedom never ends. Don't ever forget that, you know, and there's always an ebb and flow to political cycles. And no matter how dark sometimes things look, you know, you, you, we, we all have, you know, things in life that don't always go our way. I just not, I don't feel like getting lectured by the mob. All right. Well, more on the other side. 800-941-SEAN to the phones uh, when we get back as we continue. All right, 25 down to the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. So we have a little bit of a problem on the show occasionally. Linda gets very annoyed with me because um, I have had, for the longest time, not knowing what the news would be, um, I have this, 
I have scheduled commitments for all next week, and I'm off. And I'm like saying to Linda, and she goes, I knew this was coming. Here you go again. You never stop. It's a, you're, you, and anyway, because I always say, you know what, I'll come in anyway. Let me find a way. If I, Can I do it from a closet in this part of the country where blah, 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 blah. And she's like ordering me. No, she's saying you cannot have access to your show next week and you better keep you your should, commitments. I, mean, right, I would say one of those disagreements is happening right now, because first of all, I don't disagree with you occasionally. It's daily. Second of all, that's I, true. It's, that's, it's by that, that's a good point. Accurate. I mean, after 15 years, you expect this, I think. But um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's super annoying, boss. I mean, I feel you. You want to work. It's a crazy time. I think you can do a lot of work. And maybe you'll get more work done on some of the larger problems that are happening if you don't have to do TV and radio for, you know, a couple of days. That's all I'm saying. I know. You know, but the thing is, is you're right. I mean, when you finally said to me, I was waiting for this call, you know, I was waiting for this note because every time I schedule time off, you know, the problem is here. I am a workaholic. And the problem here is, is I made commitments. And the problem here is, is I've kind of disappointed people at other times. And the problem then becomes very complicated. And you said, we've got good people. Just go and shut exactly. up. Exactly. Be quiet. Have a Be good quiet. time. You said I'll shut up. In a week. Actually. I did. I said it with, <laughs> with kindness, though, with love in my heart. Said, I can't you know. take this every single time. I've got to. Yeah. Cancel this person, cancel it, and then say, yeah, he's coming back again. And then they usually say, yeah, that's happened a million times It's really before. annoying because there's a lot of work that goes into preparing I know, another I know, host. I know, I know, you know? I know. I just don't want to be off. I mean, I just, but then I can't not do what I have to do. I mean, you, it's but not, Listen, you need a minute, boss. You got a lot of stuff going on. And the good thing do. is you are leaving it in capable hands. So I think we're in good shape. And I hope that you can get some sleep for well, more I, than, I don't know, an hour. Might that would nice, help. You know? You can't be a ninja if you have no sleep. I don't know if anybody told you. No, All the vitamins you know, in the I've been world, doing you know. two things. I've been reading Jim Gray's book, which Oh, my is, God. The best book ever. Isn't it so good? And, First of all, he's the nicest person ever. Let's just Nicest start there. guy in the world. And I told and, him when he texted me, he texts he text me a bunch of stuff about the book and like some videos and stuff, right? And I said, Jim, I got to tell you something. I mean, no disrespect. And he goes, yeah, what's up? I'm like, I don't know anything about sports. I don't know who these people are. And he just, he calls me, he busted out laughing. He goes, you got to be kidding me. I'm like, no, he's sending me like videos of like all these famous sports people. I don't know who any of them are. I'm like, I take it. It's a big deal. You know, like he's like with Muhammad Ali. I knew who that was. So, yeah, he was impressed with that one moment. But he's no, the I nicest totally guy agree. on the planet. So what are you doing on Thanksgiving? Um, are you cooking? Oh, no, I'm hiding in my house. I'm going to be in a mask. All <laughs> uh, my doors will be locked. It's such a liar. You're I'll be going nowhere. And um, yeah, I'm going to have a turkey sandwich. It's a turkey sandwich? Yeah, I'm going to hide. All right. Keep the all the curtains being drawn. So you're going to cook you're, uh, now, but you're not going to use the butterball turkey fryer because there's probably too much oil in there for you. I am. At, first of all, I actually, it really depends. I've used that fryer a couple of times and it it's actually great, does do it? a nice job. Um, I think that you were way off base. I don't know if you know what a green egg is, but that thing is I know amazing. What a green egg is. Okay. Because like, you tried to compare, a, you know, a butterball turkey fryer to a green egg. Like, I'm sorry, you lose. John Rich is 100% right. And you never argue with a Texan about meat. Did I'm sorry, work? but this I have my own. This is why you need a vacation. I, the that the right problem there was is it's smoking the turkey, which is, which by the way is awesome. It's Dude, it much better so than cooking it the traditional way. But it's mm-hmm. not, you know, unless the thing that I love mm-hmm. is that. Well, you love it, salt. Yeah, but no, well, I love salt too. But <laughs> I love the fact. No, I can't stand that turkey cooked either smoked or in a conventional oven is dry. 
Now you well, can pour tons of gravy on it and that saves it, but it's still dry. That's and not the- necessarily true in the green egg because there are different marinades you can do. I mean, Ethan has a green egg and he loves it. He uses it all the time. No, I know people that have it. it. They love it too. If I mean, you know how to smoke right, you can make anything still taste good. Have, yeah. yeah, have enough. It's not going to be dry if you do it right. Mm-hmm. It just takes gonna, time. There are also things that you have to do, like inject it with with some flavorings and it's not you know, for you because you have the patience of a gnat put butter and it requires under the skin. time you got to get up early it's not going to work for you a butterball turkey yeah, by the way putting butter you. under the skin helps but you can only do that so much and it, that but if you watch the average person cook it in a conventional oven then it's all dry and then they're trying to baste it and it's hard to do well those are the people that don't know how to cook sean that's called not being a good cook okay so but you know. you know i'm a good cook why are you no you me are a good time? cook you were a good cook I am. I take time and I do it myself. I didn't say you weren't a good cook. I'm just saying people who dry out their food are typically not good cooks. That's a Yankee well, I'm just warning chef you, for if you. it gets crazy, I'm coming back. That's all. I'm just telling you ahead of time. You're not coming back. I have people. Okay. If it gets crazy, I will find a way. I, so I have news for you. Um, it's crazy already. Okay. We're here. Yeah, that's true. If we, it gets crazier. The next level is like apocalypse. So like, you know, if the apocalypse happened, you know, I'll see you in the next life. I mean, this is it. We're here. All right, let's get uh, back to our busy phones, 800-941-SEAN. Shelly, Tennessee. Hey, Shelly, how are you? Glad you called. Hi, thanks, Sean. Um, I'm, I'm very happy that you took my call. Um, I just kind of wanted to share with you an experience that I had that I was totally not expecting a couple of days ago. Um, first of all, I'm an independent. I'm not, I'm not a Republican. Mm-hmm. I'm not a Democrat. I've been an independent for a long time. And when I mentioned that on Facebook... I automatically had some friends of mine who said, you know, you can't be an independent because Trump and Biden, there's no equivalency between the two. You're, you're either a Trump supporter or you're a Biden supporter. You can't be independent. And I'm like, no, I am. I see problems with both of these people. And that's, I finally got that kind of calmed down. So then after the election, you know, I put up what I thought was this funny little meme about how independence, well, you're, if you're not for that, I'm really not happy with this person well what are you you want the whole country to go well i'm not really for this oh you know and about how you get it on both sides set off a firestorm i wound up yeah i'm like they're like you're not an independent you can't shelly we're a very very divided country you're a rarity to be honest if you're truly an independent i have no reason to doubt you at all um you know but here's the thing but one of the one of the people wound up because I made I know I made a donation for my eighty two year old mother. Right. She wound up doxing me online, saying, "Look, I found your name under Trump supporters, under Trump donations." I'm like, "No, it's real. This stuff is real." My mom. The media is out there suggesting that. Um, well, one day when you apply for a job, your support of Trump, your social media may it may come back to haunt you or. You know, the intimidation by these groups of lawyers that are representing the president. I've never seen anything like it. And the most ironic thing to me is, and I just, I cannot get over this, is just the sheer level of of disconnect and compartmentalizing, if you will, exactly what it is that they've done the last four years. The media is so out of touch. Democrats are so out of touch with who they are and how they've acted and how they act now. And, you know, it's, it is, it, to me, it's angering because, you know, they told us lies for three years on Russia. They, they pumped up this stupid Ukraine impeachment thing. And it's like, if, you know, we're seeing real people giving real affidavits and you can't even discuss it. 
with a threat to democracy. I'm like, what the hell have you been the last four years? Do you see? Do you agree with that part? No, I, I think there's a huge threat right now. All the people that were doxing me, they're all authors who fight against banned books, who fight against supposedly um, threatening authors. And they did it because I'm looking for an agent, and they knew that there are agents that would not take me if they put it up there. You know, it's, listen, I'm sorry you've been through this. Um, yep. You know, look, it's a very strange world I live in, and that, you know, I've I always said. have it so much worse than me. Oh, my God. Well, listen, I, 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 listen I signed up for this. Hey, Shelly, I understand if you give your opinions four hours a day and you give strong opinions and I have no problem calling out people that I think are phony hypocrites and liars, you know, you're just going to get attacked. But, you know, I, I have long gotten rid of any switch that makes me care even a little bit. You know, I've got to be safe and, and secure for my family and all that stuff. But I'm just going to tell you something. I just don't care. I just this is America. I'm going to speak my mind. And if you don't like it too bad. I can't make people watch. I can't make people listen. But I will tell you this. I am proud of this, that we on this program, on Hannity, the TV show, we go our own way. We don't follow the mob. We don't follow group think. We're not in this woke, ridiculous state. We call out hypocrisy as we see it. It's breathtaking hypocrisy. And it's feigned, phony, you know, contrived outrage of people that just really, you know, are full of it. And I'm kind of sick of all of it, and I think it's all on display before our very eyes right now, and it's sad to watch, and it makes me worry. Um, anyway, good call. Appreciate it. Debbie in Florida. Hey, Debbie, how are you? Hey, Sean. First of all, I want to say thank you for bringing us the news that we can actually believe. Thank you. And it's secondly, my honor. That w- I salute you. I salute you. And secondly, I would like to say do not give up on President Trump. President Trump has brought patriotism back to the United States of America. I have never seen as many Trump supporters and as much patriotism as I have in this uh, before the election. Now, after the election, everybody seems to stop. I have not given up. That man is a super soldier. That man is 74 years old, and all of the campaigning that he did for us, I couldn't have done it. I don't believe a 30-year-old man could have done it, but a 74-year-old grandpa (laughs) fought for the United States of America, for you and for me, for our freedom. And these idiots out there who voted for Biden and Harris, uh, they don't, they're blind. They're blind. If you value your freedom, any freedom at all, if you've ever valued your freedom. Let me just say, let me say this. And you look at, what he's done and and the 11 12 million votes more than the last time he had is for a reason i've never seen anybody like this guy now in other words i never saw a politician keep so many promises i never somebody saw somebody with this amount of focus commitment and fight in my life i've never met anybody like him um i've never met anybody that's accomplished more in just a shorter period of time and literally throwing pretty much all the weight of all of it on his own back and I, I, I just look at this in, an, in amazement, and he is just hated for what he represents. I think a lot mm-hmm. of the hatred comes from the fact that he, he showed them all up, Republicans and Democrats. He outworked them. He accomplished more. He fought harder 
The people loved it, supported it. Not everybody. People are turned off by it. I get that part, too. I'm not saying everyone has to agree with me. And you can't take away the, the unbelievable drive, focus, and accomplishments that this guy has been able to achieve to this point. And I, in that sense, America has been pretty blessed because there's not many like him in the world. You know, there's not many people I know that can take the incoming that this guy has taken for four years like this and longer from the second he came down the escalator. It didn't, you know, there's never been anything quite like it. And I don't know if we'll ever see anything like it again. I've never seen a president like this in our lifetime. Now, you watch the Republican establishment, you know, all these guys going to try and reestablish themselves. They're not going to do well because everybody will be in the shadow of what Trump was. And unless you have the courage and the fight and the stamina to do this and really bring the battle and get things done, I I don't see how you're going to I don't see how how anyone begins to match this. Um, And whatever happens here, I don't see him going anywhere. You know, I just don't. He's going to stay on the political scene, be the the most powerful force still. It's not going to be hiding Biden. You know, confused and confounded. All right, that's going to wrap things uh, up for today. Look, I'm just putting myself on notice that if I'll find a way, if uh, big news is breaking next week, I I have scheduled a lot and made a lot of promises. I'm going to try and keep them, too. Linda is just rolling her. You can't take this, that I even bring it up. You don't even like it, but uh, I have to. Otherwise... You know, I know things are probably going to slow down somewhat anyway for Thanksgiving week. Have a great Thanksgiving. We live in the greatest country God gave man. The battle, the fight for liberty, freedom never stops. Ever. Ever. Under any circumstances. God bless you and your family. So much to be thankful for. Uh, We can't forget that part, too. Have a great Thanksgiving. Well, maybe I'll see you before then. If not, back next week.